0: American Cinema Foundation Movie Podcast. I am your host, Titus, and today I'm joined by my friend Chris Wolf for our second conversation we are talking today about Kurosawa last time we talked about Christmas and Die Hard and we had a rollicking good time but of course that was before the enforced isolation before the epidemic and now we are just talking through Skype from our different parts of the world to recommend some movies if everybody is stuck inside anyway we might forget about this for a while and look elsewhere And so today in our Asian cinema series, we are going back to Kurosawa, to 1948's Drunken Angel. Chris, I got the idea for the conversation from you. I was delighted to hear that you watched the movie, were very interested in it, and so we got talking about that. So first of all, please introduce yourself for our audience and tell us about how you ran into the movie.
1: Thanks, Titus. It's great to be back on the show, and it's good to be watching movies and having something interesting to talk about when we have so much downtime. I'm still teaching at the University of St. Thomas political science classes. I'm actually teaching a politics in the media class right now. We're, we're studying Marshall McLuhan and things like that right now. And so I'm thinking a little bit about movies these days. And I happened to watch a movie that I had not seen before, Drunken Angel by Kurosawa, that I thoroughly enjoyed. And that I found in some ways to be oddly apropos of my experience of being quarantined, Um, and I thought maybe of other people's experience being quarantined, is this story is very simple, involves very few characters. It's largely two characters, a doctor and a gangster. The doctor, played by Shimura, is drunk. He is a drunken angel. The first question that I think would be really fun to talk about would be, why is the doctor a drunk? We learn more about that as the movie goes on. But the movie starts with the doctor giving an examination to a gangster in Japan. Organized crime is called the Yakuza. This is a Yakuza member, young man who actually has tuberculosis, though. And so the story of the movie is the doctor wanting to treat Matsunaga, the gangster, played by Mifune, the great collaborator with Kurosawa. The doctor wants to treat him, but the gangster refuses treatment. Not to ruin the movie, but that's the main plot, And we, but we learn more about the characters as things go on, what their struggle in their society is, and there's some action at the end which leads to the death of Matsunaga, but some kind of resolution for the Doctor, even though he isn't able to heal him. In some sense, the drunken angel, the Doctor, is finding hope by the end of this thing, I believe.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. This is a very bittersweet movie. There's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of misery. This is Japan in 1948, right after the war, recovering from devastation. Still in certain ways a medieval country, still in other ways rapidly modernizing as it had started in the late 1860s. And it's of course, again, in both cases, in the 19th and 20th centuries, because of America. But the second time around, because of the World War. And so there will be a lot of America in certain segments of the movie. Music hall, dance girls, the suitings are all American and even the gangster fashions favoring the old business standbys, pinstripe suits. So there are all sorts of elements that suggest this. Is... Japan modern or not? Is Japan an enlightenment regime where doctors make the decisions? Or is it the old Japan where the samurai, or indeed the Yakuza, the underclass criminal correlatives of the noble warriors, are they the ones calling the shots? So this is not going to be light comedy, it's not going to be a happy end, but it is a wonderful movie about 90 minutes feature length. So it's not the later, very long, very stately Kurosawa movies. It's far faster paced. It has far more of a sense of vignettes and even the picaresque moving from scene to scene or from episode to episode so that you get to see quite a variety of scenes and of characters that show up and some of them just disappear or recur when you don't really expect them to come back. And so you do get a view of this little poor neighborhood, of the moral struggle of these two incredibly temperamental, incredibly angry men, the doctor and the gangster, and, uh, of course, of the women in between them. And that'll be part of the theme of the movie, how women, in a way, are doing much better in the new situation than men are. That's part of progress, really. This is what you would see in a Western, since Kurosawa was a great admirer of John Ford. Now, perhaps the funniest thing about the movie is that a man who was a character actor in Japan and who was a wonderful character actor in quite a lot of Kurosawa movies is the doctor, the protagonist. Now, you might think, you know, Drunkard Angel is quite a name for a hero, for a romantic figure like Toshiro Mifune, but it's exactly as you said, Chris, it's the doctor who is the angel because he is a lifesaver, fallen as a drunkard, of course. But he was upstaged by Mifune. This was the first Toshiro Mifune-Kurosawa collaboration. In fact, it was the third or fourth Mifune movie. He was still a young man, just back from the war himself, and starting his career. But, you know, he just is spellbinding on the screen. He's incredibly romantic and self-destructive. It's hard to take your eyes off him because he's shot sometimes to look serenely childish, sometimes to look deathly, sometimes to look deadly instead. He has those bursts of energy and those quick motions that were the hallmark of the Mifune acting style, this sense of manly directness and inner strength that could at any point explode if provoked. A man who is barely in control, it's just that in this case you see the price paid for it. Every burst of energy, every act of defiance takes a bit more life out of the character, because he's got tuberculosis, as you said. And he has to deal with the implications of this manly heroism. What if it gets you killed young? What if you get into this misery that is tuberculosis? This is not a glorious death in battle or something like that. It's a dog's death, as we might say instead. So there's quite a lot of melodrama as well. You get to see the pathos and the suffering of people trying to deal with whatever has come of Japan. It's not just a national problem or a historical political problem, it's what's happening in these people's life in this really small place, it's a neighborhood dominated by a few locations, and one of them is the doctor's house and clinic where he can look on this disgusting bog, this little swamp that just won't go away, where people throw their garbage and you see as it were the whole misery of the That's situation. Right. Yes, the swamp figures
1: largely in this movie. It's almost like in Rashomon, which would be filmed two years after this, those scenes where you just see the rain coming down in these long shots of just a slightly depressing nature. Uh, You definitely have that with this swamp sewage, you know, source of tuberculosis and suffering that the doctor, played by Shimura, has chosen to live in. He's chosen to live in a rotten neighborhood. So it's the same actors as in Seven Samurai, you know, Shimura, the Yule Brenner, the guy who brings everybody together in the Seven Samurai. Shimura is also in Rashomon. Uh, but in this one, he is the doctor. And the doctor and the gangster, Shimura and Mufune, they both make a claim to what should be honored and what deserves merit. And that seems to be one of the main debates here. And yes, Japan, 1948, it is pretty much destroyed. You just see, you know, the society is struggling. This little town that we are given a glimpse of, this town is struggling. My thoughts about why does the doctor drink? Why is he a drunk? He's drunk because what he believes ought to be honored is not honored. Some of his friends are also doctors, and they are driving around in cars. They're rich. They do not live in the poor neighborhood where he has chosen to live. He is in this neighborhood because he actually cares about the community. He doesn't care about the money. He cares about the community. And he also cares about knowledge. And so those are the two things that he thinks deserve merit. Knowledge and that you care about the community. And that is not rewarded. And actually, you, you will be forced to live a miserable life like the drunken angel if you care about the community and you have this excellence. And you won't be rewarded. Now, what's interesting is the gangster, Matsunaga, he disagrees about what deserves honor, what has merit. He doesn't think the knowledge that the doctor claims is worth a damn. He doesn't care. He thinks that the manly, assertive virtues that Mufune shows so well on the screen, that's what deserves honor. And in the course of the movie, we are shown that that will end up not being rewarded for Matsunaga either. He is betrayed by his Yakuza brothers. At the end of the movie, the only option he has left is to die in glorious battle. Not glorious battle, actually... Die by going to his ex-girlfriend's apartment and trying to kill one of his brother yakuza and fight it out. He ends up dying, but he ends up taking his brother gangster with him. It's one of these great death. It's one of these great fight scenes, kind of like in Rashomon. Not very impressive. Intentionally just rolling around on the ground showing that it wasn't glorious, actually, the way the fight happened. But everyone in the town sees the fight going on, and they see that Matsunaga gets murdered by his brother gangster. And that's actually what allows some hope to happen in this movie, is that now the gangsters and the Yakuza will be arrested. And so there's hope at the end of the movie, because now they will be gone. And the women, there's a girl who meets with the doctor at the end, who gives him a lot of hope to show that she's actually recovered from tuberculosis. And he gives a short speech about reason and knowledge. See, it actually is winning out. And so it's hopeful in that. But it was actually important for Matsunaga to fight it out. He did bring down the other gangsters. The doctor, so we, we're left to wonder, is he going to continue to be a drunk or will he maybe have a much better life? The women in the movie, if the gangsters remained in control, they probably would have become prostitutes, uh, would have been forced to become prostitutes. That's what had happened to the doctor's nurse, he rescued her from that life. And it appears that that's not what's going to happen from now on.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. There are emphatic confrontations. We see a doctor confront a Yakuza gangster about the meaning of equality over the precise issue of the women. Both the doctor and the gangster are connected in certain ways to the past of Japan. The doctor has taken in as a nurse this young woman, Mio, who was once a dance hall prostitute. She is perhaps safe with him, but that depends on whether she has the strength of will to change and she does in certain ways want to go back to the gangster because it's what she's used to and she hopes that maybe he cares for her. On the other hand, it depends on the condition in the community. The villain of the movie is just coming out of jail. His name is Okada, he is a Yakuza and he very interestingly went to jail before Japan lost the war. We're told that he had been in jail almost four years. So the world didn't change for him. This is why the doctor confronts him and says, have you never heard of equality? You can't force a woman. If she doesn't want to, you can't force her. But of course, the whole point of forcing people is that they don't want to. So indeed, somebody has to stop this terrible man, Okada. And that will prove to be Matsunaga, the gangster played by Mifune, who is, as it turns out, the center of the story. He too is connected to Okada, they were once Yakuza brothers, he inherited from Okada his territory and welcomes him back as a brother and an older brother, a dominating figure, and is betrayed by this terrible person. Matsunaga is somehow the romantic in the picture, he believes in the beautiful, he dresses beautifully, he is beautiful, he likes music and dancing, he likes to have a flower in his lapel, He is habituated to a certain deference and to shows of manliness that assert his freedom. He is not beaten down by necessity, he is not immiserated like everybody else is. But he turns out to be central to the plot because he is the only man who can stand up to these other Yakuza and save at least this woman, the young prostitute who became a nurse, Mio, save the doctor who has now become a target for the other Yakuza, And he doesn't do so out of altruism, he does it because he is a man defined by anger and honor. Honor is never that altruistic. Honor is caught up in certain contradictions, to be honorable is to expect certain rewards and certain praise, but it is also in a way to despise them, to hold oneself better than those things. It is to assert, that is to say, human freedom, to assert we are somehow better than necessity. This is one version of what might be required for Japan to thrive or to at least survive this horrifying historical catastrophe. Men like Okada and his Yakuza superior stand in really for the old Japan. The Yakuza underclass criminals are as I suggested the correlatives of the samurai class, of the warrior class, people who live by the principle that crime pays. Maybe not for small time losers, but certainly for world historical criminals. Indeed, Japan committed atrocities in Asia that the Nazis didn't manage to replicate in Europe, shockingly enough. This is what the World War was about, and this is what Japan has to deal with now. These people have not disappeared. They are coming out of jail, they are ruling from the shadows, as we see in the two cases of Okada and his boss. It's only romantic fools like Matsunaga who think that honor is in some sense justified it's not merely exploitation, that is to say, Matsunaga does not believe in equality. This is why he can't simply go to the doctor like a normal human being. A doctor will tell you, say, to take your clothes off and what have you. we are you gonna obey? Not a man, surely not a manly man. So this is a real problem for him, in a way it's never for us, which is what makes him such an interesting character, but he realizes the ugly truth that this exploitation cannot be permitted to continue. And there is therefore an element of choice, the freedom he had long sought his freedom from being a Yakuza, and there is therefore a certain morality or sacrificial quality to his violence that ends up saving this nurse from prostitution, the doctor from death, because otherwise it would all end up in this terrible, miserable way. That's right.
1: So one of the most interesting aspects of the movie to me was that struggle between the doctor and the gangster, you know, saying, listen to me. It's kind of paternalistic attitude the doctors can so often have um, no bedside manner uh you know it's i have the knowledge listen to me and mifune he's a man and he just says i will not listen to you i'll not do what you say and that's the opposite kind of virtues that he has and the doctor in some ways understands that life he might have pursued that life himself maybe when he was in, in medical school, apparently, you know, he had a wild life. He spent all his money on prostitutes, he said. <laughs> and yep. But he, he chooses a better path, a different way of life, the way of life of knowledge and reason and being a doctor. And what's surprising is that he just doesn't give up on Matsunaga. He actually pursues him and tries to go to the club and still tries to say, take your x-rays. Let me show you what the x-rays say. You have a hole in your lungs. You're going to die unless you stop drinking. He doesn't give up on Matsunaga, unlike other doctors might have. They say, I don't want anything to do with those old gangster types. And so that shows that the doctor cares too, although he's not completely happy about doing it, but he sees that it's what he should do.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. You're pointing to the fact that Matsunaga and Dr. Sanada have a lot in common. Most obviously they're both very temperamental people. They're obviously at different stages of their lives, you would say. They're like father and son in their adulthood. They're quarrelling over who's independent, who's calling the shots. They have that quality to them, and aside from the anger, indeed there is this past. The doctor too was once going around drinking and whoring, and he has become a drunkard. In a way he's fallen just like the gangster has fallen. But there's also this thing that separates them, you could say. The difference is one of them went to college, the other one didn't. This is an enlightenment story. And that's certainly true, but it doesn't exhaust the matter because exactly as you say, for some reason, the doctor is attached to this miserable neighborhood where he screams at kids to get out of the goddamn water before they catch a disease. There's bacteria there. Of course, kids don't know that. And he does try to help people who have any chance, who have any interest, whose suffering has not made them fully fatalistic or mad, but instead sends them seeking help. That shows that he is indeed a man of community. We could say that what connects him to Matsunaga is that these are two elements that are necessary for authority. The doctor has the science to see the bacteria in the water, which is invisible, to see the meaning of an x-ray, which we do not usually understand. He has this invisible thing, knowledge, and in a way it makes him pathetic, precisely because it's invisible. You can't see somebody's science. Why should you believe his opinion and not follow your own opinion whenever it's painful to follow his opinion? Whereas Matsunaga has the power to compel. These are the two necessary powers of government and these are the two necessary elements of enlightenment. You need people with science and people with the power to compel to pull together. And although these men have the same character, they do not have the same interests. There are certain things that separate them, they don't even look at life in the same way, which is very interesting of course. And you could say that if you add to them the women in the plot, especially the nurse, then you would say what is further required that Enlightenment does not understand. What makes the story so interesting is that these men are temperamental because they are right. They know the claims of strength and of science, respectively. If you're a coward, nobody's ever going to follow you. If, on the other hand, you're a moron, you can only lead people to catastrophe. But you also need prudence, you also need bedside manner in the case of the doctor, a certain cunning in the case of the gangster. You need these other qualities that would add up to the virtue of prudence to know how far you can push truth, how far you can fight against chance or necessity. And they do not have that. The nurse has that, but of course women do not have authority in this social situation or in Japan as such, politically, economically, anywhere. We see them as stricken observers, they understand things and they would like to do things but the men will simply not obey. Because the stronger does not obey the weaker. This would seem to be the rule in Japan that makes for all this tragedy. And it's part of Kurosawa's wisdom and his openness to tragedy to show you that you can wipe out a nation militarily, you can destroy its political faith, its foundation, but it doesn't mean that the character of the people will change. Not even now will these men change their opinions. The doctor, for all his experience of excellence and suffering, will never cure his character, but instead take to the bottle. So with the gangster, for all his sudden awareness, you know, he's a man in his 20s, but he has learned he is mortal, he hates it, but he has learned it, he cannot deny it, and nevertheless he won't deal with the fact, neither of them will deal with the facts of their failures. That's what makes them tragic, of course, but also incredibly recognizable, human. How many people have not succumbed to drinks and drugs and disease because they are dumbfounded before the unanswerable, unexplainable suffering that destroys us? You know, in thinking more about it, I think there's an interesting question to be had about
1: why does the doctor pursue Matsunaga, the gangster, so much? He actually, in some ways, goes beyond what would be expected of a doctor, even a doctor who cared. And I think that he probably sees some kind of possibility in terms of if he heals this man, they might be able to team up, you know, and have the assertive virtues and the knowledge and might in some way be able to make the town better and maybe throw off the other gangsters somehow. And, you know, you can see that that was one possible way the movie might turn, but it didn't. He ends up dying of his disease instead. But Matsunaga does end up taking down the syndicate And so in some way, the doctor, he does win at the end, I think. He didn't win in the one way that he wished he could have, but he does win. And, you know, here 2020 coronavirus quarantine, some of these characters are interesting and somewhat attractive today. I mean, there's so many young men who are being forced to not go to work, not compete with other people, not do sports they're forced to stay at home in their houses by the government and by doctors who recommend stay at home because the coronavirus, we have to do that. <laughs> the doctor is in charge in America and all over the world because we have this knowledge that says we will get sick and die. And that's very frustrating for a gangster or for any young man, uh, manly man uh, right now. <laughs> um,
0: now, uh the doctor. Yeah, I completely though, agree. I mean, when seeing the movie, I thought about this strange fact that, of course, makes perfect sense: that uh, Americans are getting way more speeding tickets than they used to. The highways are empty, okay. and this encourages men to drive really, really fast. And of course it does, who wouldn't? The cannonball record was broken, which of course it right. was. The New York to LA race, it's around 27 hours something now. And of course it will be broken again because the highways are open and they beckon. So I think you're completely right. This really and truly does speak to how young men in America feel right now. And anybody watching this movie and being persuaded of that will see. You can deal with American men for a while. But if you think you'll be keeping them under quarantine, say for three, five months... You will get the Matsunaga is what you'll get. It's inevitable. It's human nature.
1: Lash out like Mifune, you know, and and yet the doctor is the kind of doctor that we would also want right now, actually. Uh, We would want a government that actually had the knowledge and actually really did care about all the citizens and would pursue everyone to actually help them. Not just saying, I have the knowledge, I have the expertise, now shut up. Now, if you do that to an actually manly, independent person, they don't take that well. They don't listen to you. And so that's that's another feeling that's going on right now, too, during the quarantine (laughs) The shut up. I'm an expert. I have the knowledge that's not necessarily the best uh, bedside manner for any citizen to be hearing from the government.
0: Yeah, I think that's also exactly true since America has Twitter, right? Everybody becomes an expert once a month on whatever is the new thing. But now it's epidemiology. All of a sudden, doctors, non-doctors, economists, anybody who can play with statistics or follow reporting or whatever might take a dangerous or at least irresponsible attitude since most of us don't really have any kind of influence. And that does come from this enlightenment attitude we see in the doctor. Well, actually, I know better than you. There are invisible things that I am a master of that you are ignorant and also shut up and listen. But of course, that's not enough. You have to reason with people and more than that, even to persuade, to find the people who will be listened to, not because they are compelling in a violent way, but because they are compelling in a moral way, that people are willing to listen to them. That simply is a necessity of our lives. Why is the movie tragic to the extent that it is? Because people do not have those resources. They do not have any capacity to put these two different powers you know, with these different faculties of the soul together. Of course, we can look forward that America will turn out much better, not just because our technology is so much more impressive and we don't have that many criminals around. But for other reasons, of course, women in America are far more spirited and free and equal, so they would not be in the trap that they are in this situation. Not, of course, that there aren't poor people or suffering now, it's just that America as a society is not caught up in the drama you see Japan as a society being caught up in. Perhaps that makes the movie harder to recognize, harder to understand in its full moral force, but of course, you know, every mother who will find it very difficult to tell her child to stay indoors will understand that, in a way, it's the very unreasonableness of boys, not just men, that proves that Kurosawa is right, this really is what human nature is like. At some point, the anger comes out, the restlessness, the revolt against necessity, against an imposition of authority. That's the moral force of the movie. The irresponsibility, the crime, the misery of the society has to do with this. What it means for people to revolt against their situation. It is unacceptable and they'll try something, even something crazy. So I think that connects us far more immediately as you suggested. It's a strangely opposite, strangely apropos movie. There is much to see there that we can learn for ourselves. And maybe in a way we can see the different attitudes to death. We, like the audience of the movie, like Kurosawa, admire our doctors and nurses. These people are risking their lives every day for us, and it's not part of the job. The job doesn't say, be a hero. And that's why usually we don't applaud them or sing for them or put out big banners and all these things that people throughout the world are doing for doctors and nurses, because suddenly we realize now it's life and death. Now there is something honorable that we are honoring. Otherwise, we feel it's our rights, it's our contract, and it's a job. But now we realize life and death cannot just be a job. There is something of the angel about the medical profession. And when it's at its best, it's obvious because of how bad the crisis is. The strange thing about the doctor, and this would reveal to us so much about our own discourse on this, is that... His devotion to life, to saving life, to curing the sick, is, as you suggested, tied up with a certain contempt, a certain paternalism, a certain authority that says, you do what I say or, you know, face the consequences. Somehow, the recognition of necessity, you can't talk back to bacteria, you can't talk back to a virus, you can't say how manly you are or what a dangerous thing you do. This is what the doctor points out to the gangster every late night. Every session of gambling, all the drinking, all the dancing is killing you. All the things that would give you joy and make you impressive to other people. You're more daring than they are, more shameless than they are. Now you will pay for all of them. That recognition of necessity, however, does end up canceling any freedom you might have. This is why the doctor is a drunkard. It's the only freedom there's left. For a while he can forget about the fact that people will not listen to him that the necessity of dealing with suffering medically is met with the inner necessity of mankind for freedom, to not simply obey, to not simply act as a prisoner of fate. And what would happen to America if we decide that, look, this is just some kind of cruel cosmic joke, and it's a lottery, and if your number is up, pop goes the weasel. In a way, we'd lose our dignity. It's horrible. We have to somehow reject this view of necessity. We can't simply let it go as the doctor does, in a kind of Hobbesian attitude, you would say in political theory. Fear of death is the beginning of wisdom. It's the only rational passion. It's the only way to build a society. If everybody's afraid of death, everybody will obey authority. And our Leviathan will be in medical uniform and we'll just do what we're told. But that's impossible. Who can look at Mifune and not recognize this kind of, in political theory, would say, a Rousseauian criticism of Hobbes? You have to enjoy existence even to fear death. If people live in misery, they will not fear death. They might despair. You have to enjoy existence. You have to enjoy yourself. You have to know what's naturally good about life, even in order to fear death and therefore obey authority. So they would have to somehow be combined. Yes.
1: So that's why the doctor drinks. Uh, It's to deaden that right side of his brain. (laughs) (laughs) The brain is not being given its rightful place (laughs) in this society.
0: Maybe the drinking keeps him at his job, right? As you notice, he keeps at it, he doesn't give up. The gangster threatens him, beats him, throws him out of his dance hall, but he doesn't give up. It keeps gnawing on him and he himself recognizes this importance of moral compulsion. The doctor doesn't just say, the necessity is death by bacteria. I should stay away from this guy, and not embrace him. But he can't give up because it's a human being so much like himself and he recognizes what everybody recognizes in this gangster. He is noble. It's not that he doesn't rob people or that he treats women nice, it's that compared to all the other gangsters, he doesn't do the horrifying things they do, and worse, he's blind to that. People trust him instinctively because he would be a good leader were he not self-destructive. It just doesn't occur to him to go around terrorizing or to plan people's deaths as his bosses
1: do. This is kind of like a Alcibiades to a Socrates, you know, (laughs) kind kind of relationship. Self-destructive personality, you know it, but you do kind of see him as your, as your son in a way. Can't help liking the
0: guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There is something there in this love of Victor, in this love of beauty, and this showing off before everybody that there's something grand about being human. He gets it wrong, of course, but he's not wrong about this other matter. There is a certain natural grandeur in being human we would be compromising it not just in the situation in which we are bullied around by gangsters, but also in the situation in which we meekly obey an authority under fear. Saying that it's fear for your own sake, I fear for my own life, that's why I obey the quarantine rules. But it's not enough, right? I mean, we all know, look, it's also, don't spread the disease to other people. Don't make it worse for everybody else. Don't destroy a healthcare system that a lot of sick people need. You have to care about other people too. You have to worry about your family and friends as well. You can't just say, "Well, you know, I'm fine. Like I'm young. It's not gonna hurt me." Well, I'm going to spring break in Florida now. You know, <laughs> exactly. That is the perfect example of Matsunaga, right? Like spring breakers yes. enjoy all the shocking, uh, overwhelming pleasures of life and never mind all the other people. But that turns out not to work, and in the case of the movie, because of its emphatically political character, the problem is enslavement. The problem is treating other human beings as though they're mere animals. This gangster comes out of jail exactly at the moment when our gangster, Matsunaga, had decided to obey the doctor, at least tentatively. Fear, suffering, coughing up blood persuaded him, just like we, when we hear a lot of other people are dying. Well, you begin to take it much more seriously. But Mm -hmm. this other thing happens at the exact wrong moment that is exactly the right moment from the point of view of the story. The gangsters comes out of jail and Matsunaga gets this new lease on not life, but illusion. Maybe if he goes along with his gangster brother, it can be like in the old days. Maybe the promises that got him to be a gangster in the first place are gonna work out.
1: The song changes. The guitar was playing a very plodding-along song, and then the gangster has his own song that he had played before. And he actually grabs the guitar and plays the song in the movie. It's kind of a funny scene, actually,
0: but literally, yeah, the song changes. Yeah, exactly right, right. So he has his own killer's tune, and Matsunaga cannot resist the spell because he admired this guy before had hoped to rise to become a somebody and the, the fact this guy ended up in jail didn't shake his confidence just like corruption didn't stop just because somebody went to jail in any given place or people don't become angels just because they lose a war in the case of Japan. There you begin to see the source of the madness, this desire to think that if you impress other people into terror then you are yourself invulnerable. We see Matsunaga again and again play act this. He beats people up, he throws the doctor around, he screams at people, and their fear is the measure of his own invulnerability. That however cannot shake off the disease of course. That is the sign of necessity. You have to give the mind, you have to give reason, you have to give science its due because you can terrorize people but not things that aren't people. You cannot do that to disease. Having a brave attitude, daring well and daring all, only works with human beings. There are limits to human will and to human illusion, to our imaginations, to how self-important we are. In a way, you see with the doctor selfishness, actually caring about the self and trying to save human beings. But, but with the gangster, you see self-obsession, self-involvement, fantasizing while he's killing himself. And in a way, selfishness is nobler because it's more scientific, but in a way, this fantasy is nobler because it at least portrays human freedom. So there's this tragic distinction between the man who cares for the body and the man who cares for the image of man.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's right. I don't have many other thoughts, Titus, but I've enjoyed the discussion and I think we played it out pretty well.
0: Yeah, it was a wonderful conversation, and we got into all these American and current facts all of a sudden that weren't on the menu, but things surprise you this way. It's wonderful to get the chance to talk about this movie, and we should tell people, it's on TCM, a lot of Kurosawa on TCM. I learned it from you, actually. Uh, Those Mm. people are doing a public service, (laughs) And, uh, and so, you know, go watch TCM one of these days, go stream the Kurosawa movies. Chris, thanks a lot for joining me. Thanks for a wonderful conversation. And perhaps if the shutdown continues, we'll have another one.
1: That sounds great, Titus. Uh, I- I'm in. Uh, I'll just have to watch another good movie. And uh <laughs> should probably watch some more Kurosawa, for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, let's try to make the best of a bad situation. Thanks a lot, Chris. All the best.
1: Take care.